Welcome to It Is What It Is. I'm Corbin. And I'm Anthony. And this is the place where basketball intersects with all other facets of life. All right. So let's get some intersections going on. <laughs> We're getting ready to head back to the bubble. What do you think? Oh, man, it's been uh, it's been interesting. Um, the basketball news has been ramping up. And so it, it's been at least mildly entertaining i haven't been checking as frequently as i used to and so it's kind of nice like when i'm like really wiped out at the end of like the week and i check and there's like 50 unread news articles <laughs> from the nba so i get to like digest through all that stuff <laughs> but what what are we like training camps are supposed to be starting in like oh day or they might have already started right I, I think it's the 13th and i think the 27th mm-hmm. is when they're looking for the first <laughs> uh games is that right no yeah first i think so yeah okay so they got two weeks of of working out and practice right so there's a lot of elements going into this bubble we've got some people that are notably sitting out and you and i've talked in the past about how uh you know this is a decision each player needs to make we're not going to disparage anybody from playing or not playing so anything we we discuss about how this impacts teams is not intended to disparage anyone's choice. Um, but I just kind of want to bring up these teams that we're going to see in the bubble are not the same teams that were playing this season. Uh, what do you think about that? Yeah, I think, can I add to your disclaimer that um, I think both of us support players opting out, uh, not just for their own personal choice, but because we both uh, understand the health risks involved, both from like a, you know, you know, tearing your tendons in your knee or, you know, an injury like that or just getting COVID and having to deal with the consequences. Um, and it just seemed, we, I think we both feel that it's a bit uh, unsafe to play regardless of what your personal situation is. But uh, in that sense, yeah, there's like the Nets, I feel like have been the most decimated by opt-outs, right? Because um, Kevin Durant has said that he's not going to play even if he is okay. And he probably is at this point, right? It's been, it's been a year. Um, Spencer Dinwiddie opted out, uh, Deandre Jordan opted out. And so then that's like, at least those two Dinwiddie and Jordan, that's like, Jordan's probably a little less consequential, but Dinwiddie is part of the, the core for sure. And so I think the Nets, who are in seventh place, are probably going to end up in eighth. And then the Wizards, Bradley Beal opted out. And John Wall, who was injured, also opted out. And And so did um, Bertans. Thank you. I was trying to remember who the center was. And that basically is like the whole Wizards team. I don't think that they can really even stand a chance of making the playoffs. So my kind of sense on the bubble for at least the East Coast is like, why even finish these eight games other than to, you know, get some practice run in before the playoff time. It seems like a big risk for players and teams to take if, if there isn't a result that they can pursue, like, like a title or an extra chance at the lottery pick or something like that, which really isn't on the table. Um, People that miss the playoffs here in the bubble are still going to be pretty far down in the, in the lottery draw. Um, So I feel like, the only argument that I've heard that has supported this expanded bubble, because I've kind of been frustrated that they didn't just go to 16 or even 12 teams to begin with. <clears throat> but the big thing that I've heard is there's a lot of young players on some of these teams that uh, would have played more basketball and would have gotten a lot more development. 
and they're not pursuing a title, they're pursuing a basketball career. So it's not just financial for them. This is a chance to get out and play with other athletes of their caliber and, and even better and learn the game. And it, without the stars there, at least it's not going to be summer league. It's not going to be, you know, kind of casual basketball. It's going to be serious basketball and they're going to have some serious time on the stage. And that might actually help um, progress their development if they, if they can avoid an injury, right? So sickness and injury are serious threats. Um, but the opportunity to get out and have some play time, uh, playing time is actually really important maybe for these teams that aren't going to do well. Um, I want to segue because we're trying to keep these brief, and I think there's a lot more we can talk about the owner-player relationship. But I want to transition to think about the outcome of this of this bubble play playoff series. We're yeah. going to do this with the hopes that we don't have any serious catastrophe where everybody gets sick and, and um, we endanger all these lives. And the goal is so that we can have a champion. We can declare a champion at the end of the season and feel like we're bringing a season that was three quarters of the way through to some kind of close and help prepare us for next year. But what do you think about the legitimacy of the title that will be earned in this bubble? Again, the the teams are not composed of the same players uh, that they were when, you know, when the season paused, went on pause. Uh, There's, the um, different access that players had to training facilities. And so some have been able to maintain their physical regimen and and basketball practice and others have not. So we may see um, different players struggling to start with, or there may be tissue damage and things like that, that that arise from just not having being in that full um, athletic capacity. And so we could have some serious impacts on the outcome of this, of this tournament. What do you think about the title winners? Is this a full-fledged NBA title or is this going to have an asterisk next to it? Man, that's such a good question. And uh, I have to say, I love your butts. And I mean that both metaphorically and uh, actually. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, let me, let me kind of segue away and I promise that I'll bring this back. Okay. Um, so I, I watched Hamilton on Friday night and it's a phenomenal play. Like it's amazing. And it got me thinking about um, the narrative that we tell with a historical perspective. So, you know, looking back at a situation, the, the narrative kind of is up to the person who's telling the story because they're going to, everybody takes away whatever they want to take away from it. Right. So, so like thinking about it from a basketball perspective, right? When we look back on this in like 20 years, there's going to be one champion from this season. And when the champion tells that story, this is going to be like the greatest season of their history because they've overcome all these odds. They had to face, you know, roster turnover at a really important time, eight games away from the end of the season to make it to the playoffs. They had to get through this you know, pandemic, they had to get through the bubble, which is kind of limiting in its own sense. Um, But then for the person who is probably, this might be true for a few of the other teams, but definitely for the runner up, they might try and throw in this caveat that like, well, it was a shortened season and we were playing in this bubble and they had advantages that we didn't have. Um, And so I feel like there's going to be this, like basically this historical skew, depending on who's telling the the story. And I feel like the asterisk will only pop up 
if that that skew becomes the predominant narrative. Interesting. Does that make sense? Absolutely. I think that was really, really well stated. Um, you know, they say history is told by the, the winners, and the victors, but um, I think we're becoming more sensitive to this these notions of narratives and that there are different perspectives. And so there will probably be a debate about this uh, for years to come, just like debate on who the GOAT is or who the best center or whether the Celtics of the 60s were as dominant as their... <laughs> so, yeah, all, all those different uh, stories and debates that we have, this is probably going to be an ongoing uh, debate that won't be settled. It'll be interesting and fun to discuss. Um, but you're right, the narrative that will shape how we view this will probably, um, whether it involves an asterisk or not, will probably just be a popularity contest. And it'll be interesting to see what happens and what influences fans... Uh, perception of this title. So I guess before we uh, we dissect it a little bit, uh, just a yes or no. Do you think this season should have an asterisk? Ooh, that's a good question. Um, I, I I'll, I'll just say from it. It's a no for me. Sorry. Okay. okay. I think it's a yes for me. I don't want it to be. I think the teams that oh. are participating, it's not their fault. Like, that's the thing. I don't, I'm not, it's not an asterisk because of steroids or something like that, like we've seen in other things. There's no scandal or cheating. It's just such unusual circumstances and it impacted teams so, so differently, right? It, we say that we're all going through it, but some teams are not showing up with their full staff uh, and I mean, full team and squad. Others are. Uh, some players are going to be better prepared than others. I think I have to say it's not a fair playing field. I, I think it's a uh, yes for me. Interesting. And so, uh, so I guess as we continue this conversation, like you said, it's going to evolve over time. And I'm a, a very uh, wafting in the wind kind of a person when it comes to these, uh, <laughs> these uh, perspectives. But uh, one thing that, that has kind of influenced my thinking is uh, that every season teams have to overcome something like every team in the NBA has to overcome something. And that's just how it winds up. Right. So uh, you could say that this, there's this whole situation around the bubble and the season was slightly shortened and the playoffs happen and players opt out. Right. Um, but I feel like if you go that far, it's not too much of a stretch or any stretch really to say like, well, maybe the Raptors should have an asterisk on their title because they didn't have Kevin Durant Clay, and Clay Thompson in the finals. You know, they didn't have a full squad. I think there might be. <laughs> From my perspective, I think there is an asterisk <laughs> on that title. <laughs> I've definitely heard champions every season uh, basically say something along those lines. And I feel like maybe not champions, but the runners up will say like, you know, we all have to overcome these injuries and stuff like that. And it just wasn't in the cards for us. Um, but I feel like I've heard maybe Kevin Durant say it, um, that like the team who's able to overcome those adverse adversities are the ones who, who win. And maybe that's true, but also I feel like that's not true because those are the teams who overcome it at the right time yes, and they get everybody back at the right time. This is fascinating to me. I'm wondering, like we've put such emphasis on 
getting rings and championships, and this factors into Hall of Fame discussions. And I'll tell you, I know that the playoff uh, basketball is more competitive because they put everything on the line for this championship. Maybe that's what's needed to motivate it. But if we put the same emphasis on an 82-game season and just declared and made everybody play every other team the same amount of times, right, so it was actually equitable in how they how their opponents were set up, I kind of would want to emphasize season records over championships, but I think I'm a um, I think I'm alone there on that one. I don't know. There's kind of like two measures. We've talked about this before. Like when you're looking at the greatest of all time, really, it depends on the perspective you're taking, right? Is there like like from a championship perspective, straight up, it everybody says it's Jordan. Jordan's the greatest of all time. Um, but when you start taking other stats into consideration it becomes a little bit more of a questionable subject. I mean, uh, for for his, all of his uh, successes, you know, Jordan still has a really high, you know, rebounds and assists per game thing, but definitely not to the level that LeBron has. And <clears throat> um, he probably has been asked to do more than Jordan. Jordan basically just takes over games, but they also played like completely different styles of basketball. And so, you know, there's all, there's always this perspective. And when it comes to like metrics of a season, I don't think it's fair to boil down teams to like one statistic because that doesn't tell the whole story. And those statistics can be taken out of context to tell the story that you want to tell. And so um, I, I definitely think that, um, you know, records like we shouldn't discredit the Warriors for having a 73 win season, even though they didn't win the championship that year. Yeah. Like people pro- probably are always going to remember that one aspect of it, but it doesn't discredit how good they were in the regular season. Yeah, exactly. Um, again, I know we're trying to keep this short, so I just want to bring in a little philosophy associated with this idea of legitimacy and see what you think of it. So I was thinking about JL <laughs> Austin's uh, How to Do Things with Words, short little book. I love this book. Um, and he's talking specifically about speech acts, things like promising, um, getting married, like taking vows <laughs> to get married or to get sworn into court, um, naming a ship, right? So these are all actions. They're not statements where you're describing or telling something. You're, you're doing something with the speech act. But when he sets up what makes a speech act successful or unsuccessful, I think he does a really good job of setting up uh, kind of the parameters in general for considering actions successful or unsuccessful. So there needs to be some kind of convention in place. There's a context and uh, participants that need to be determined who are the correct participants do the participants uh act in that convention correctly and do they complete the convention so if you have all four of those things filled out then you have a successful speech act for instance the um, person who's officiating a wedding may say the vows and then have the bride and groom repeat the vows to them or groom and groom and bride and bride whatever um but the person who's officiating the wedding isn't actually taking the vow. They're, they're not successful in making a vow because they're not the right person to complete the task. It's when those are repeated by the participants in the wedding, uh, if it's done correctly and in front of witnesses or whatever, then it's considered effective, and those vows 
are successful. Um, but it's not, there's nothing like metaphysical that makes it happen. It's the convention of society of what's, what's required to make those vows meaningful. So with that in place as a background, I think this uh, notion of narrative and history and context is super important, but I wonder if we can identify maybe some norms or conventions around basketball that would help us kind of suss out which narratives might best describe the legitimacy or illegitimacy of this title. Do you have any norms in mind? Well, the, the first one I think is fair play. Um, there's different, I mean, it's spelled out in different ways, but just because something is um, allowed by the rules doesn't mean that it's considered fair in, in basketball. So you get six fouls before you foul out. That doesn't mean you're allowed to use those six fouls to decapitate the best player on the other team. Uh, so there's... Charles <laughs> <Right. laughs> uh, <Paul's> Oakley. <laughs> right, exactly. So uh, there are some unwritten rules, we could say, or, or conventions about the game. And one of the ones that you've already alluded to is this idea <laughs> of overcoming adversity. There's a sense in which we understand in the game that there are circumstances that are not going to be played out evenly. We, we're not going to see the ideal version of every team every season. And so all of our champions had to overcome some circumstances and context that made it a less than ideal season, and yet they still rose to the occasion. So I think that is a convention to keep in place. Um, I, I don't think even when I say, yes, there might be an asterisk, I have to recognize like it's not because of the adversity itself. It's not because these were unusual times. There must be something additional, you know, in addition to the fact that it was difficult. Yeah, that makes sense. I'm wondering if um, the term equity uh, falls at all outside of the realm of fair play, <clears throat> because like technically like the schedule is set up to allow everybody to have an equal playing field. Right. And in this situation, there's this other aspect of players opting out of the bubble, right? And every team has the ability to have players who choose that option. And so, um, to me, that like it's a, it is part of fair play, but it also falls a little outside that because some teams are going to have their full capacity and some teams are going to, you know, like the Wizards, for instance, they're, people are just opting out because maybe there's this realistic stance that we're not going to really do anything, why risk it? And so it is equitable, but maybe not fair. Um, whereas like a player on the Bucks, you know, there's like a lot of pressure for all of those guys to participate because they're the number one seed in the NBA. And so it's not quite equitable for the players in that stance, um, but it's certainly fair within their rights to to not to choose not to play. And but that choice of, will probably affect the outcome of the team. Mm -hmm. So I don't know. Now I'm starting to confuse myself because I'm interchanging my meaning of fair and equitable at the <laughs> you know during this conversation. But right, right. Uh, I think right. I think you get the point. <laughs> yeah. I think um, there are probably other norms that we should consider, and it'd be interesting to explore those. I think for the sake of, of time, let's just leave that as an open question for the audience to mull over, and maybe we can revisit it in future times. I, I do just want to um, highlight, I've been drinking out of this wonderful little mug, and I just want to share for our audience that this is a mug that Anthony uh, got for me. Um, it's got all the 
kind of canonized philosophers from the Western canon in historical order. And notice that there is no handle on this mug because uh, according to the box, it's uh, hard to get a handle on philosophy. So I'm just really grateful for uh, a, a memory uh, keepsake from you and that it's so, so appropriate to me. Thank you. It's great for this podcast too. It's a good uh, talking point. <laughs> right. <laughs> we're gonna we're gonna have to draw a little cartoon character of you on the bottom of it. <laughs> <laughs> That's hilarious.